Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. But right now, no judgment. None at all. Because, as I said, to start us off today, we need to talk. We have to talk as if our lives depend on it. Because for some of you and some of your family members, it, it will. Sitting across from me right now in the studio is someone who I think is the perfect person to talk to in the wake of... Paul Green's suicide last week. I'm not going to tap dance around that either. I'm going to say what it is. It's 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 suicide. Paul Green took his life. And I think that's half the problem as well. In the media, we don't say that word enough. And it's not a pretty word. And it's not something that you want to talk about on a daily basis. But we need to take the taboos away from it. We need to take the stigma away from it. We need to take the mystique away from it. We need to talk seriously about this. Jake Edwards is the founder of Outside the Locker Room. It's an organisation that is founded to help sporting clubs, grassroots and elite levels across the board to deal with mental health. Why was it founded? Why did Jake do that? Well, actually, I'll get Jake to tell us. Jake, good morning. Morning, Ben. How are you, mate? I'm okay. It's been a rough week, hasn't it? Yeah, I wish I was sitting here in different circumstances, mate. But unfortunately, I get called into a lot of media work off the back of these unfortunate events. All right, outside the locker room. Mm. Why? Yeah, as you mentioned off the top there, Ben, my uh, background's in AFL football. Um, spent four, four years at the Carlton Football Club. I was the fifth player in my family to play AFL football. My great-grandfather, my grandfather, my father, and my cousin all played over 100 games, premierships. So growing up in country Victoria is a big part of my DNA. If I give blood tomorrow, there'd be little footies floating around. <laughs> um, so I was fortunate enough to get drafted at the age of 17, a couple of weeks out of high school, and spend some time living my dream, running out the MCG in front of 85,000 people, round one, 2008, Chris Judd's first game. You know, what more could you ask for wow. as, a, as a young man? Uh, my earliest memories of my father is out in the paddock with star posts in the ground with PVC pipe over him acting his goals, dad teaching me how to kick kick, uh, kick goals after school before dinner most nights. And to live that dream as a, as a man uh, and now as a, as a woman, you, you, you get the opportunity to, to realise that uh, I was very, very grateful for uh, to be able to do it. And uh, about two years into my career, I started going through issues with mental health challenges. Um, around the age of 19 years of age, started experiencing anxiety. Um, my depression was to a point where I didn't want to be around the playing group anymore. Um, and I was crying on the way to training. Couldn't understand why. Wow. Um, you know, again, a young, fit man who was living his dream, his perfect career. I couldn't understand why. You know, why was I feeling the way I was? Didn't want to talk to my mates about it. Didn't want my family to know about it. Didn't want my my father, who was, again, a big figure in the AFL space. And Eddie Collingwood, Richmond Tragics out there, would know Alan Butch Edwards, my, my dad. Um, and, you know, he was an old school plumber, you know, biggest forearms and hands you've ever seen in your life. Just an, an old school character. And, mate, we, we just didn't talk about our emotions or feelings sitting around the dinner table at night. And I just didn't want him to think I was soft or weak. Um, and I just got on with it. 
and I just thought that I could deal with it myself and things would be okay. And, and as we know, uh, we, we don't, when we don't talk about our feelings as, as people, not just men, but it, it just, it got to a point in my career, um, at the end of my second year where it all became too much. And I just had a bit of a breakdown, um, where I actually quit football and went back to the farm and sat around the table with mum and dad. And, and the first time they actually could see in me, something wasn't right. Uh, in that moment, my father actually handled it very differently and, you know, put his arm around me and, and actually said, mate, what's, what's going on? You know, you're not, you're not right. Um, it's, it's okay, you know, to tell us what's going on. And I just felt this relief come over me and just, you know, just started talking a little bit about it. Didn't kind of go into detail, but because again, I was still a little bit reserved. I was waiting for the backhand over the head just mm. to kind of shut up and stop being a sook and move on type of thing. Get and on with it. Get on with it. Uh, but I guess I never gave my father the opportunity to to see how he'd respond in that environment. And he responded very differently to what I thought. And, you know, with, with love and care and put his arm around me and then just said, mate, let's let's do something about it. Let's get some help. Um, so I went off to the football club. I had a contract I had to commit to, which I did, and sat down with a doctor and I was diagnosed with anxiety, uh, depression, uh, just, just as I turned 20 years of age um, at the Carlton Football Club. You made that brave first step. You, mm. you reached out to your family. You spoke to your dad. You didn't expect the 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 comeback that you did, but that was good. But it didn't. It, it got it did it got yeah. worse. It kept going. It? So I sat down with the doctor and um, being young and naive, I guess. I think not even young and naive. I think we still have this mindset today where the doctor said, "May he pop this pill every day and and you'll be fine." And I just thought, "Oh, how good is this?" You know take a tablet and get on my AFL career and play a hundred games and everything will be perfect. And I was popping this pill every day, mate. And I, I had no idea uh, what it was. I didn't ask any questions about it. I just listened to the doctor. And um, as time went on, things weren't changing and I was just getting frustrated. I thought, you know what? This is a lot of shit. You know, I'm just going to get back to playing football, toughen up, mate, stop being soft and just get on with your life and, and train hard and work hard and, and get out there and perform because this is your dream. Mm. Uh, and I did that and I just ignored the advice that I'd got. I went back to my old ways and telling people that I was fine and I'm, I'm, the pills are perfect, you know, everything's, everything's good. A byproduct of the pill medication I was on was actually weight gain. And as an elite athlete, I, you know, every two weeks we're, we're getting um, measured for our fat on our body. Uh, and, and we had a thing called Fat Club at the Footy Club where anyone over a percentage, certain percentage of fat, would be your name would be up on the wall displayed in front of everyone until you got under that certain weight level, um, you, you'll basically go on show for everyone to know that you are overweight. So I'm like, I'm not going to like, put my, my my name up there taking yeah. this medication. So stopped taking that and uh, and got on with it, mate. And then my footy career came to an end, and that's another story. <clears throat> but essentially um, was promised a world, given an atlas, and then fell back down the path of just lacked the responsibility of the – I should have went back and spoke to family and sat down and, and, and said, hey, this isn't how I expected my career to be. Mm. Um, I don't know what to do now. Like I've had structure and routine in my life for so long and I've, I've got nothing, literally. I'm still waiting today, mate, from the phone call from the football club just to see if you're all right. So th- th- there was nothing in place when I transitioned out of the game, uh, which was back in 2009. Um, so I just fell down a path of drugs and alcohol. And that was what gave me that life again. So when I was partying and hanging out with people, they wanted to be around me. And that gave me that ego drive and that, I guess, that sense of belonging. 
and that just fell down a path of of, uh, of addiction. Yeah, where you know it led me to a, a moment in my life where you know I, I attempted to take my life one morning after a, a three day drug and alcohol fueled bender. Jake, <clears throat> can you talk to us about? That moment, I mean, of course. that's that's the most powerful thing. And, and and I hope by this chat, I know we're talking your life in professional footy, but step away from footy and this can be applied to any profession. It, it doesn't matter what you do. You can be a, you can be a barrister or a barista. The same, the same principles apply here and, and your story. They do. What yeah. happened on that day? Yeah. So I, again, I wasn't in the right mind because I was, had alcohol and drugs in my system and but my mindset leading into those couple of days was that this was it. You know, I, I removed myself from family and friends. I'd given the same bullshit excuse that most men give to their mates that I'm, I'm fine, mate. I'm all right. But I knew deep down that I was mm. crushed and I had nothing. Uh, I couldn't give any more. So, yeah, there was only one result. So I went out and then I come home on a Monday morning and, uh, and yeah, I just I remember looking myself in the bathroom, in the mirror and just just being at ease with what was about to take place, um, in that moment. And I, I didn't realize this till after the fact, but I'd actually spoken to my mom about 40 minutes before the, the act and the conversation I had again with my mom at that time was, I'm all right, mom. I'll, you know, I'll call you tomorrow. I've just had a rough day. You know, that could have been the last thing that I, that I said to my mom. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, just went through the, the motion mate of attempting to take my life in my bathroom and, Fortunately, a hairdryer cord snapped, and as I was sitting on the floor, I just had this rush of just regret come over me. Um, of this moment of just what the what the hell was I trying to do? Like what? <laughs> yeah, how, how are you here right now? You know, mm. and it wasn't because it wasn't without effort. You know, I'd committed emotionally and physically to the act, and I, I was sitting there still breathing and and realised that you know. <laughs> This could have been, this could have been it. And then in that moment, um, my phone had rang and it was my dad. Yeah, he was calling me at that very moment. And I answered the phone and I, um, and I just, I just, you know, I broke down. And dad and I had always been, we had a, I had a good upbringing like in family and parents mm. and that, but we were never very close in terms of feelings and stuff and that and it just was a moment where I, dad on the other end, I could hear him. He knew. And the reason I knew, the reason he knew was that after the fact, about two days after this moment, I remember talking to my father and he opened up about his history with suicide and mental health and depression issues, wow. which I which had no, no idea, no idea growing up at all. Yeah. You are listening to a powerful story. It's Jake Edwards story. He is the founder of Outside the Locker Room. That that story you've just heard has led to this moment. And this is where I want to go now, Jake. We needed to put in context your story. Hopefully it can relate to some. If it can't, maybe it relates to their mates, someone close to their family. Since that moment and what you've seen moving forward now with Outside the Locker Room, there are so many questions that those who – those who remain, let's, let's, let's call it that. Those who remain, who are asking questions why, every, every person I've spoken to since Thursday, since Paul Green, has said, what are the signs? What can we say? Mm. And as you said, they're bullshit excuses about, yeah, I'm fine, mate. 
How do we get past that? How how do we ask the right questions to get past that? Because yeah. how are you, mate? Yeah, no, I'm good. It's a it's a t- it's a tough one, isn't it? You know, because even I've not been there myself since, and I've spoken with mates, and and you know, deep down, you know, mate, I know you're not right. But at the end of the day, we we obviously can't force our mates to do anything and go and get the support and open up and talk. But what we can do is create an environment where they feel safe enough to be able to open up. And one of the things I talk about to many people in terms of supporting your mates, there's two things I'll encourage, because um, this is a, a big conversation, but there's two areas I think everyone can focus on. First one is um, the environment that you're in when you do ask, uh, making sure that it's safe and secure and, and private. Uh, you don't want to do it in an open forum. Very rarely, mate, the two blokes sit down like you and I are right now, eye to eye, talking about something very, very meaningful in yeah. a cafe environment, having a latte, you know, probably not the right environment, but maybe get them out of a game of golf, you know, in the carts where your eyes are facing forward and, you know, you're just chatting about life. You don't have to go in with the hard questions early. Just start talking about how's, how's, your, how's your relationship, how's work going, mate. Generally, the two areas where men feel the most stress in their life is financial and relationships. If you focus on those two areas, you, you, you're going to get them opening up and talking about about something. They're not going to come back and say, hey, I feel like I've got depression in a sense or I'm having these thoughts. But if you can attach it to, hey, I'm, work's doing really tough at the moment. There's some financial stress there. Or my relationship isn't doing quite well. You can kind of tap on the back of that. And then mm. I always encourage everyone, ask the question, have you been thinking of thoughts of suicide? Have you been thinking of taking your own life? And no, directly ask direct. them, absolutely directly ask them. We don't ask it enough. And this this idea of talking about suicide and it creating it is the biggest load of crap going around. So if you're concerned about a mate, just ask them direct, oh, mate, have you been thinking about taking your own life? Language is so important, isn't it? Very, very important. And then follow it up with a support. Mate, I'm here for you. I love you. I want, I want to be here to support you. And there are moments, mate, in examples where it is going to be a part of our our lives, unfortunately. And mm. we can't always get people to the end game where, where they recover. But there are a lot of things that we can do to, to prevent it. And that's one of them, um, is, is getting the environment right and the, and the questions that you ask. Jack, I'm going to come back at you and say, mm-hmm. I, I would love to have a game of golf. I'd love to get my mates aside, sit down with them, eyeball, but we're all so bloody busy. Yeah. Yep. Bullshit. <laughs> I call Bullshit. The reason I say that is because, mate, well, we, we find excuses, we find reasons as to why we're busy. Um, put it in your schedule, diary it, make, make it happen. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a part of group networks and uh, a, a network called the Good, Good Bloke Society where it's businessmen and wellness where we prioritize meeting and catching up because we don't focus on supporting each other through business but also through our, our, wealth, our health and well-being. Mm. And golf games and breakfast catch-ups and lunches and Friday afternoon at the pub having a beer, talking about sport. These are things that really men crave and that connection. And we, we do it all the time, you know, but we find outlets that we find, oh, sorry, we find reasons potentially to not sit down with your mate one-on-one and, and do it. So my, my push on anyone listening to this is, is find the time, you know. Don't wait until it gets to a point where I, I, I'm in crisis. Mm. Make it regular and make it enjoyable. Go, go camping, you know, play a game of golf, go for a drive down the coast with your mate. Um, it, just in terms of when you say, when you say to a mate, Hey, you know, I, are you okay? And they say, no, nah, no, nah, I'm, I'm fine, mate. All good. Yeah. The, the analogy I want to give to your listeners now is that um, 
I call it the coaching analogy. Now, using sport, right, as a vehicle to communicate these messages is we hear it all the time. Your head coach is driving home the same message 100 times a week. Do this, 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 and this, all right? Can't get that same message across to 30 players in a playing group. All of a sudden, the assistant coach comes in, messages it in a, a different way to a different player. Oh, it makes sense now. So what I encourage you to do that if you feel like you're hitting your head against a wall against a mate and you can't and you know something's not right, go and ask another mate who knows him. And go, hey mate, I, have you noticed this in in Benny? Mm. I, I, just, I had a chat with him and I know he's not right, but maybe if it comes from you at a different time, maybe he, you just might it might sink in for him. So rather you being the coach, get an assistant coach involved and and go and get him to to ask a question. Go, hey mate, is everything all right? I know you've spoken to. To Jake, and he's a little bit concerned, but we're all concerned, mate, because we can we can tell when something's not right. And he him hearing it from maybe a couple sources just might be the penny to drop because sometimes we don't know. Yeah, sometimes we don't see it in ourselves. Strength in numbers. I, mm. I, I want to ask you about the right questions to ask, the the way to to phrase it, to frame it, and why blokes are so bad at at, at asking and reaching out for help. As I said at the top of the show, we need to talk and that's exactly what we're doing right now jake edwards is my guest from outside the locker room uh former carlton player but also has a very important message which i want to pick up on jake um we mentioned about language and and if we want to help our mates our family members it's just a bit more than saying are you okay because they come back with yeah sure how do we break down how do we get into that how do we get them to open up how what questions do we need to ask what would have helped you yeah, we've spoken it. already, Benny, just about the environment, which yep. is really important, um, and also tackling it from a different angle, getting a mate to come in and, and support that conversation. Yeah, assistant coach. But a great example I'll give uh, to make it again relevant to your listeners in the sport environment is I, I spent some time with the Western Bulldogs uh, in there working with their group and their team, very proactive in the mental health space, and Robert Murphy, their ex-captain. Mm. Um, and I remember him talking to me one day about that, that question you asked, mate, how are you going? And he, he talks about his time as a captain with the young players coming through because it's changed so much, you know, the young blokes coming into the system. And, and he, he noticed something which really caught my attention and, and the advice I give to everyone is when you're in a blokey environment, it's very easy to do some throwaway lines. <clears throat> hey, how are you, mate? You know, how are you going, right? With a bit of a smile, yeah. how, how, how are you? And then I remember he, him, him saying that to young blokes coming in, they'd always give the straight bat, yeah, mate, I'm fine, you know, but when he changed his language and actually sat him down maybe on one-on-one and said, no, nah, mate, how, how are you? You know, with a bit more of a deep tone to it compared to how, how are you, mate, to yeah. how are you? He noticed that he was getting a bit more of a, a deep breath kind of, you know, well, mate, I'm actually doing it pretty tough at the moment. Take the, take the slang out of it? Yeah, take take, the, just take the slang out of it and just maybe sit in, a, in a, again, a quiet area and just be a little bit more personable rather than mm. kind of just throwing it around as such. And, and I actually took that example and used it at a couple of people, and it actually worked. And I just thought, wow, it's a really powerful thing to get across to people. Um, you know, how are you, mate, type of thing. And we're very slang-driven here in Australia. We love it. It's great. Mm. You know, we've grown up in the country and sport my whole life and been around footy clubs my whole life and the banter and that. It, it, it's beautiful. It's what makes us, you know, Corey sitting here, he, he understands it and, it's something when you leave the game, you miss more than you miss anything else is the, is the club room environment. But I do know that kind of how are you compared to that how are you, mate? Um, it, it holds if, some weight. If you're still getting donuts, 
What's the next question? Yeah. So the next question you can follow up with is saying, look, mate, I know you might not want to talk to me right now, but I, I do think there's something not quite right. I love you. I'm here for you. You've got my number. I'm going to come and ask you again in a couple of days and see if you're all right. The follow-up. The follow-up, yeah. Always a follow-up. Give it a couple of days. Keep your eye on them. Um, if they're at your work environment or your football club, you've got two or three chances a week to, to do that follow-up. The signs. What do you look for? Well, you know, the obvious signs when we talk about just the, the mood, you know, so yeah. ups and downs, but the mood doesn't mean that emotional kind of sadness either. Some blokes hide it, mate, with the other way. In your face, up and about, you know, because they want to go the other way and try and make sure that no one's going to think that I'm, that I'm struggling. What you need to look for is a change in behavior. So someone that you've known for a but long time. not necessarily time. negative, sometimes positive. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Because I've been around footy clubs, mate, again, my whole life. And, and I know blokes that just go the other way. And you pull them aside going, mate, you're not, you're not normally like this. Is everything, is everything all right? Mm. You know, I, I know you're a bit of a character, but you're not normally like, like this. So some blokes can hide it, mate, going back the other way uh, as well. So, and uh, yeah, other signs are, you know, again, you know your mates better than anyone else. More, probably more so they know themselves. And you always hear of maybe their relationship is under stress or work. Something's happened at work. And so there are moments you can pick up in a journey of, of your mate. You can step in and go, hey, buddy, I hear something's going on here. Is, is everything okay? Um, it's just picking up on it. <clears throat> picking up on it. I'm taking notes here. And I hope everyone is. When Jake talks about the footy environment as well, you can transplant that into your work environment. Jake, Corey Parker is here for the Monday means test. What I'm going to do right now is we'll get Vanessa to give us a news update. I want to come back and intertwine you together. We'll get the Monday means test off and running, but I'm sure there's questions Corey has for you because the big question I, I, I want to ask, and I know Corey is too, that we've never had more availability to help us with mental health. Lifeline, Beyond Blue, Black Dog Institute. Why is blokes... Don't we use that? Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening. You can catch the show live on air on your app or online. It's 693 SENQ every Monday morning from 9. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.